The late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The latest from 7 News with Michael Usher. Good evening and welcome to the latest on Australia's house price slump. It's the first time a drop in the average price of dwellings has been recorded since September 2020. Tonight, we'll hear what's causing the slowdown and also talk to a leading economist on concerns about the Reserve Bank ahead of another interest rate rise. Joining me now in the studio is Network Finance Editor Gemma Acton. Gem, good evening to you. Hi, Talk us through some of where the biggest falls in house prices have been. Well, this is very much concentrated to Sydney, Melbourne and Canberra. Canberra, which saw in May the first drop it's had uh, since 2019. Uh, but really, apart from that, Sydney and Melbourne is where we're seeing this. Every other city and region is still seeing growth. Now, admittedly, that growth is slowing down. Take somewhere like Hobart, which saw really fast growth ahead of the pandemic and during the pandemic. Some suburbs there are seeing falls and growth there has really slowed down. Some Brisbane suburbs are seeing falls, even though, even though overall there's still growth. Mm. The two cities that are really bucking the trend are Perth and Adelaide. Although it is worth noting that the median house price there is a lot lower than elsewhere. In Sydney, the median house price is still around 1.1 million. Uh, in Perth, it's around half a million. And in Adelaide, about $630,000. So if the brakes are on in our biggest centre, Sydney, Melbourne, is that a trend? Is that going to continue? It will continue most likely because the drivers of that slowdown are still in place and are still relevant. For instance, interest rates. Uh, as you mentioned, we had the first interest rate hike last month and we've been told to brace for several more. Banks wasted no time in passing that on to, to mortgage holders. Uh, and at a time when all our other costs are going up as well, it really makes a difference if you're paying a bit more even on your monthly mortgage repayments. Also, housing stock's an interesting one to watch. Uh, housing stock levels are still really Depressed compared to historical averages, down around 10% across the country compared to a year ago and around 28% lower if you look at the five-year average. But they're starting to pick up in Melbourne and Sydney. You're actually seeing higher stock now than a year ago in those cities. And it's winter. This is not a traditionally strong yeah. selling season. So as we move into spring, we can expect stock levels to pick up even further. The last thing to note is consumer sentiment. It's really depressed right now, well below long-term averages. And people don't get excited to rush into buying something major like a house when they're feeling this low. Mm -hmm. I would just caution, despite this pullback and a slight fall in certain places, house prices are still 27% higher yeah. than, where, than where they were pre-pandemic. So a long way to go before that that's lost yeah what about rental prices though because they're quickly going up is yeah. that a national trend or yeah very yeah. much so so uh, in may rents went up across australia by around one percent which is a lot 
in the space of a month. Over the last year, in the cities by around 9%, in uh, the regions by around 11%. What we're seeing is unit rents now rise much more quickly, which is not very surprising uh, as compared to house rents, given that uh, with the borders reopening, we're seeing migration start to pick up again and unit rents is, is where is where you'll see that pressure. Yeah. Uh, and that's just starting to come back. You know, migration is nowhere near the levels it was. There's a lot of catch up to do there. So this pressure can be expected to continue. When you talk to organisations that look after Australians who are struggling, a lot of them call it a rental crisis. Yeah, all right. Gemma, thank you for that. Thanks, Michael. The Reserve Bank's interest rates decision next week comes amid heavy scrutiny, with new Treasurer Jim Chalmers about to order a major review of Australia's central bank. Twelve leading economists have written an open letter on the matter, asking the Treasurer to ensure the planned review is conducted independently. One of those who crafted the letter is Assistant Professor of Economics and Visiting Fellow at the Australian National University, Stephen Hamilton. Stephen, good evening to you. G'day. So what should the main goals of the review be? Does the Reserve Bank need a, a complete overhaul and why the independence? Yeah, so I'm not sure it needs a complete overhaul, but what I think is, you know, we've had a few decades of pretty intense economic upheaval, right? We've had the global financial crisis. Since then, we've had the pandemic. Between those two crises, we've had a very unusual period of very low interest rates, low inflation, and high unemployment. So, you know, after that decade and a half of pretty intense economic upheaval, it, it's a good time to step back uh, and reflect on whether our, our monetary policy institution, the Reserve Bank of Australia, is fit for purpose, uh, looking ahead to the future when we could experience, you know, more upheaval, right, things that we mm. don't even anticipate at this point. So I think it's a great time to do that I also think if you look at uh, central banks across the world, it's very standard for them to have external reviews, independent reviews. Uh, and if we want that institution, which is so important to the Australian economy, to be functioning properly, then this is exactly the kind of thing I think we need. So today the US Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen conceded her government got it wrong on how sharply inflation rose. In the Reserve Bank's interest rate rise last month, the Governor Philip Lowe said inflation picked up, quote, more quickly than expected. Just have a listen now to, to, to Lowe's prediction last year of no rate rises until 2024, then his messaging after last month's board meeting. Have a listen. We do not expect it to be before 2024, and it's possible it will be later than this. It is now time to begin withdrawing some of the extraordinary monetary policy support that was put in place to help the Australian economy during the pandemic. All right, so the question there, Stephen, is have our global institutions just completely missed the mark on interest rates and inflation? Yeah, so it's a good question. No one's perfect. That's the first thing to say. The second thing to say is if you ask five economists, you may get five different answers to that question. So uh, the key thing is a review of the Reserve Bank should not be a performance appraisal of Philip Lowe or anybody else, right? The point of the review is to look at our institution look at its structure, look at its culture, look at the mandate given to it by the government, look at the Reserve Bank Act. So look at all of those structures and think, are they set up in a way that is conducive to good decision-making, right, to good economic management? That's the question of the review. Now, I think looking over the last sort of three to four years, right, it's a very unprecedented situation. We had a pandemic that we haven't seen in 100 years. Uh, and as we see, central banks across the world got, got lots of things wrong. So I wouldn't want to judge any regime too harshly, but I would say uh, we do need to think critically about how the Reserve Bank functions through this period. And again, 
we need to be thinking of setting the Reserve Bank up for the next crisis, right? Are they well-placed to handle future challenges? But any review would have to consider how they got that prediction wrong. No rises before 2024 then, even though it was low saying it, but there's a group of people behind him. Any review would have to consider how the Reserve Bank got that one so wrong. Yeah, so I think I would focus there not so much on the decision, but on the guidance, right? So the most critical uh, asset that a central bank has is its credibility, right? It has to give clear communication to the market, to ordinary people, to ensure its credibility, right? And if you give, a, if you give guidance in the future that you may have to backflip on, that undermines your credibility. So rather than saying the decision was wrong, uh, the review, I think, would look at whether the, the, the communication strategy was wrong. Rather than tying interest rates to a calendar, should they instead have tied it to a state of the economy so that if they updated, they weren't backflipping, they were just picking a different item on the menu. Right, OK. Another big decision next week. Uh, interest rates almost likely to go up again. How much do you think? Yeah, so today's GDP figures were pretty robust, right? I mean, I think looking at the, the first quarter of this year, January, February, March, you know, we had a lot of uh, crazy things, floods, you know, the, the, the lockdowns or the, the reduced activity in January, you know, shortages. We had all sorts of things that should be restraining economic activity. And yet we had a really robust quarter of 0.8% growth. So I think with all of the other evidence we have, the strong inflation figures, uh, all of the real-time data, I would say a, a significant interest rate rise next week of something in the order of 0.4 to 0.5. We're currently at 0.35 that's record low still, right? So I think interest rates have a ways to go up and the Reserve Bank should sort of make up for lost time uh, and increase rates pretty substantially, I'd say. If they do increase them substantially, does that reduce the heat on the next round or do, do we just keep on going up for some time now? We've got a long way to go, to yeah. be honest. I think what you should be thinking of is the target inflation band is around 2.5% and interest rates are currently 0.35%. So in real terms, interest rates are significantly negative, right? So they're going to have to go up at least to 2 to 3% in the short term, right, in the next 12 months, mm. in order just for monetary policy to be neutral, right? So the, the question, you don't want to jack them up the, the full amount overnight, uh, but you want to, you don't want to also move too slowly and let inflation start yeah. to take off. So that getting that balance right is going to be a challenge for the Reserve Bank. But I think, again, uh, increasing pretty substantially in the order of 0.5, I think, would be uh, consistent with that. And those GDP figures today, some people might go cross-eyed when we talk about GDP, but they matter. <laughs> um, did they surprise you? Uh, yeah, they were definitely on the strong side. But, you know, we had, we, we've had a lot of indicators that have been suggesting strong economic growth, right? We have unemployment below 4% now at 39 right, which is the, the lowest level in 50 years. Uh, we have very strong household balance sheets. We have very robust inflation. All of these numbers are consistent with one another, right? They, they, they tell a picture of an economy at its economic speed limit. Right. So uh, 0.8 uh, for a quarter is, is robust, but that's consistent with that. Now, the issue is the Reserve Bank's going to have to start to raise rates to take some of the heat out of the market. Uh, and that will pull back economic activity a little over the next 12 months. And you can see the Reserve Bank itself already indicates uh, a sort of slight slowing compared to what they previously thought. Well, you mentioned the speed rate, but the unions would say there's a two speed uh, system in this economy right now. And the stats showing profits are going up but workers aren't getting a fair share of the wealth. Uh, I guess they're talking about wages and growth there. Do you agree with that? 
Uh, look, economic data is volatile. I don't like to point to any particular month or particular quarter and pretend that gives a broad picture. But but I would say it is going to be a tough time. What we've got we've got very high inflation of five more than five mm. up to six percent, uh, and, and wages are going to rise. They'll rise slower, but they won't rise by that amount, right? So there's kind of no way of avoiding a reduction in people's real wages in the short term. I think what we need to do is look through this short-term upheaval to the next two to three years and make sure the government is focused on reforms, right, the focus on economic policy that can get those wages growing faster in a way that doesn't push up inflation. I think that should be where our focus is. There's a lot more to come. We'll be talking about this a lot more as well. Stephen Hamilton from the Australian National University. Appreciate it. Thank you. And that's the latest on Australia's house price slump and the economic matters. Thanks for your company. I'm Michael Usher. Late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.